So have you ever noticed that some people would rather believe a lie than embrace the truth? You know, uh, there's an old saying that people will claim is that the truth hurts. Uh, and there's a lot of wisdom to that uh, because the truth reveals what is false. Uh, and uh, there are times when we, we don't want to live up or have the truth expose us to having to make that crucial decision of basically facing the pain or facing the music or whatever you want to uh, frame it as uh, or dodge the truth itself. Uh, and we live in a society today that uh, does not like the truth, does not want to believe that there is one true God to whom they must give an account. Uh, instead, uh, as we will look, they like to suppress that truth. Uh, because what, what better way to try and eke out an existence is by believing something uh, that is untrue so that you can feel comfortable uh, in, in your existence. Because what God did in, in opening my eyes some 45 years ago to the truth of my need of a Savior was he showed me my sin. Something that I did not want to see, something that I was quite content embracing. And it's nothing has changed under the sun. Solomon was very true uh, when he uh, uh, spoke those words, there's nothing new under the sun. People will continue to suppress the truth, even when the truth is as plain as the nose on their face. uh, Because they don't like the truth. They don't like what it stands for. But see, God's truth actually enlightens us. Um, Psalm 51.6 says, Behold, you delight in truth in the inward being. And you teach me wisdom in the secret heart. See, God's truth does something miraculous. Because it takes those who are dead in their trespasses and sins, those who are slaves to sin, and opens up their eyes, opens up their their rock-cold, hard hearts that is in rebellion against God and gives them something that only God can give. And that is the, the light of the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ that we do need a Savior, and then apart from Jesus Christ, we are all on one path towards our ultimate destruction, not annihilation, uh, but the Bible makes it very clear that there is a broad path uh, that leads to destruction. See, God's truth confronts us with the very thing that we do not want to know, exposing any excuses or deficiencies that we hold on to, and what the truth does is it necessitates change. And the thing is, is another truth uh, that we uh, you know, have as part of our life is we don't like change. Now, there are some that may say, well, you know, actually, I don't like the boredom of things being the same. But honestly, none of us really like change because it means that we have to, you know, take what is comfortable, what is known, and exchange it for something that might be uncomfortable and something that's not known. Uh, and we don't know where that's going to take us, and we know where we are right at that point. Uh, and that's why, you know, uh, as, you know, the truth comes into our lives is that um, it may hurt people because they're living in sin, uh, it may hurt them or cause them to step back and, and, you know, put up a barrier or a defense because they know that that truth is exposing and, and, and cutting to the very core of who they are. 
So what I want to do today, um, as I entitle my sermon, The Truth That Some People Do Not Like the Truth, is to take a few moments and actually take you through, uh, first, the extent to which people will go to suppress the truth. Because it's not something new to our age. Yes, there is a lot of suppression of truth today. And people are, are, you know, willing to believe a lie even when they know it's a lie. Uh, and that's, that's part of, of, you know, how our dece- you know, the deceiver works uh, in our world today. But it also shows the, the hardness and the sinfulness of man's heart to ignore the truth and embrace a lie. Um, but we see that going all the way back to the very beginning in the Garden of Eden. Because Adam and Eve were willing to believe a lie than to believe the, uh, the one true God who gave them everything, who walked with them in the garden, who uh, they had the privilege of enjoying unhindered worship of God, which today we worshiped, but it wasn't unhindered because we still have sin in our lives. And for some, the, the words may have been coming in one ear and going out the other. Uh, and that is because there, we are still battling with sin. Even though we're not slaves to it, uh, we, we still have uh, truths that we suppress. Uh, because oftentimes, you know, uh, as we sung, you know, you know if, I, if there's any wicked way in me, well, we all have things that we do that are wicked before the eyes of a holy God even as believers in Jesus Christ. And so that's why we still need to confess our sins. So as we take a look, we're going to be um, jumping around to a couple main passages. Uh, The first one's going to be in Romans chapter 1. Because Paul, as he was penning the book of Romans under the inspiration of the Spirit, um, wrote um, some pretty profound truth in relation to the extent to which people will actually go to suppress that truth. Uh, And so... Now, Romans chapter 1, and I'm going to be reading verses 18 and 21. Uh, 18 is one you probably have, uh, you know, at least uh, heard of or, you know, heard read or maybe even committed to memory. And it's a verse that is, uh, for many, uncomfortable. Because it says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men, who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him. But they became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. The wrath of God. You know, our current culture wants to only believe, if they believe in a God, is that my God is a loving God. Which is an absolutely true statement, because God is love. It's one of his attributes, but he is also a just God, a righteous God, a holy God who will not turn a blind eye to sin, but will hold all accountable. See, these verses here speak to all of mankind. So even though it has an audience uh, that Paul was writing to, it speaks to us even today because man has known since the beginning who God is. Uh, we, we see that in, in Romans chapter 1 in, in what we call general revelation, that as you look outside and you see, you know, as we are looking at spring and the growth is going to be coming, uh, which in my yard is already coming through the ground uh, because there's, there's beautiful greenery coming up through all of the deadness of winter. 
uh, to show that there is design, to show that there's creativity, to show that there is sustaining power uh, because this world is not falling apart because Almighty God is keeping it together. But even though man has known God since the beginning, he chose to rebel. He chose to suppress the truth about God. He chose to suppress the truth about himself and decided to instead believe a lie. And the the, the biggest lie of all this is that man did so thinking that it was actually going to free him. But in reality, what it is, is it made him a slave. You know, man wanted to free himself to live the way that he wanted to live. But see, God is the creator. And when he created Adam and Eve, he gave Adam and Eve everything they needed. Bless them with all that they could, you know, they didn't know anything else that was needed to be known. They had one command to obey, and they chose to instead believe the, the clever serpent who deceived them into believing that God was withholding from them. And see, man thought that he was going to be free to live the way he wanted to, but that was the lie because it made him a slave. It made him uh, be that, or the one who was in bondage to sin. And when you look at the world, you, you, you say, well, you know, I see a lot of people that seem like they're very happy. Well, you know, we can keep up appearances on the outside, and we can do things that can make us happy. But do we know what true joy is? Do we have a hope of what is yet to come? You know, many will say that they live for the moment. You know, seize the day, seize the opportunity, because tomorrow you may die. You know, that's hopelessness. You know, disguised in something that is an immediate gratification of, of the current life, as if uh, we, we do not answer to anyone. See, man was once free to glorify the Creator, to enjoy walking with Him in the garden, to hear God's voice, to know that everything that they needed, they had. But now, he is a slave to sin. Which you and I, uh, well, I was once a slave to sin. I am no longer. Does not mean I don't sin. This means that sin does not control me. It does not, you know, you know, dictate every action that I, you know, uh, take or every thought that I have. But this truth also in these verses speaks to the religious leaders of, of Paul's day. You know, what is the truth that the religious leaders wanted to suppress? You know, what were they suppressing in unrighteousness? The truth that Jesus was the Son of God and that he was the Messiah that had been, you know, foretold that would come. And they suppressed that truth because they did not want to glorify God. They enjoyed the power that they had. They enjoyed everything that their lives stood for, uh, so much so that they were willing to hide the truth about who Jesus was. And we're going to see the extent to which they will go to hide the truth about Jesus. Because the scriptures tell us very plainly, you know, they didn't want to honor or glorify God. Instead, uh, they honored and glorified themselves. Uh, and we can see that in uh, the, the word of God. Which takes us to my second point, because they are ones who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. And so let's take a look at securing the tomb. Uh, Turn over to Matthew chapter 27. Matthew chapter 27, starting in verse 62. 
It says, next day, uh, that is, after the day of preparation, the chief priests and the Pharisees gathered before Pilate and said, Sir, we, we remember how the imposter said, while he was still alive, that after three days I will rise. Therefore, so as a result of that proclamation, therefore, order the tomb to be made secure until the third day, lest his disciples go and steal him away and tell the people he has risen from the dead, and the last fraud will be worse than the first. Pilate said to them, you have a guard of soldiers. Go make it as secure as you can. So they went and made the tomb secure by sealing the stone and setting a guard. So a few things here. What is the lie? Well, the lie is what they claimed to Pilate. They claimed to Pilate that Jesus was an imposter. Well, Jesus was not an imposter. Jesus uh, was and is the Son of God. And he performed miracles. He communicated the truth about man's sinfulness and man's need of a Savior. Which, again, as we think about the introduction, is, is everything that man wants to suppress. Man does not want to think that he needs anyone else but himself. When in reality, the only one that can you know, cure his circumstances to take them away is Jesus Christ. The one who is the way, the truth, and the life. That was the lie. What is the fear? Well, the fear was is the disciples would steal Jesus' body, claiming he rose from the dead. So this is the imagination going to work. This is the, the wheels turning so that they can put into, uh, you know, forward motion, you know, something to keep their narrative, to keep things under their control. Because there was a genuine fear that, well, what if Jesus was right? What if this is the Son of God? So if that's the case, well, let's see what we can do to, you know, cause that to halt. And what they do is they disguise it in this, uh, you know, fear that the disciples would be the ones that would steal Jesus' body. Don't believe the source. Don't believe that Jesus, when he said that, you know, after three days I will rise, even though that was the truth, and he did, and it didn't matter that they did everything they could because he was the Son of God and is the Son of God. What was their disbelief? Well, their disbelief is they believe that Jesus was a fraud. You know, what better way to discredit the truth than to make it something it's not? To put forth that Jesus was a fraud, that everything he did was just, you know, in modern-day vernacular, smoke and mirrors. You know, that he was some type of, you know, uh, you know, a false teacher, someone who misled people. But again, going back to the root problem is, is that the Pharisees did not want to lose their authority. They did not want to lose their power. They were happy in their existence. They didn't like the fact that Jesus, you know, uh, put forth seven woes to them. Woe, Pharisees and scribes calling them hypocrites, telling them that, they, that their insides were like, uh, you know, full of dead men's bones. You know, people don't like to be pointed out in relation to the truth, you know, because the truth sometimes does hurt, but it also brings clarity. And the truth is exactly what we need. So you can't have Jesus, who is claiming to be the Son of God, really be the Son of God. 
that would unravel everything that they lived for, everything that they held dear, everything that they honored and gave themselves that really was, you know, honor and glory that they stole from God. Claiming to be the religious leaders to lead people to worship God, they were very content to have the people be under their authority and, in a sense, really worship them. Can't have Jesus actually rise from the dead like he said he would, because if he did, that would just, again, make everything void. It would cause them to have to make a decision to be at that point where they must face the pain or dodge the truth. Well, what was the foolishness here? Well, the foolishness was they were suppressing the truth with such unrighteousness. Get this, with such unrighteousness that they believed they could stop God from doing what God had planned. But isn't that really what man does? You know, maybe even you sitting here today, you know, maybe you think that you can keep God from doing what God alone can do. Or to think that, you know what, if you ignore it, it'll go away. Or that the truth that is revealed in the scriptures, which some, as we take a look at our current culture, have been kind of just buried as deep as we can go. Or what they're done is they, they take a, a truth of the word of God, pull it out of context, and, you know, use the culture to define the Bible. Which is completely opposite of what we should do. God's word should not be interpreted through the sinfulness of man. We let God tell us who we are. We let God tell us the truth. So there was a suppression of the truth. There was a securing of the tomb. But there was also a staging and cover-up. You're right there in Matthew 27. Look at chapter 28. Because in verses 11 to 15, we need to, to see that they are making sure. They're trying within their power to do everything possible to keep from embracing the truth about Jesus. It says, while they were going, behold, some of the guard went into the city and told the chief priest all that had taken place. And when they had assembled with the elders and taken counsel, they gave a sufficient sum of money to the soldiers and said, tell people his disciples came by night and stole him away while you were asleep. Verse 14, and if... If for some odd reason, so we got the plan, but just in case the plan happens to backfire on you guys, if this comes to the governor's ears, we will satisfy him and keep you out of trouble. So they took the money and did as they were directed, and this story has been spread among the Jews to this day. Nothing is outside of the audacity of sinful hearts to try and do whatever is necessary. And see, the chief priests as well as the guards were in complicity with one another, which is incredible, but not surprising. You know, it's kind of like, you know, huddling together for the purposes of, you know, uh, uh, a sinful action to take place. Let's join in and under one particular cause, bring forth, uh, you know, some type of reaction or response Uh, to get what we want so much. For the Pharisees, it was to uh, continue to have the authority that Jesus posed a threat to because he truly was the Son of God, the Messiah. And for the soldiers, ironically enough, was money. So we see two different things that neither of which 
give God the glory, neither of which acknowledge that there is a God. What it is is a suppression of who God is and man living out his sinful desires. So what do we have here? Well, we've got a bribe. We have a bribe that takes place. They gave the guards a sufficient sum of money. Well, how much is that? It's sufficient, whatever it was. Okay? And you have to understand something. Because, you know, the, the irony in all of this is that, you know, if the, it comes to the ears of the governor, don't worry, we got your back. Was he for a Roman soldier to fall asleep on duty? Death. So it had to be, in my estimation, a very sufficient sum of money for them to do this. Because basically, you know, they, well, I guess they really had no place to go at that point. But they had no reservations about taking it. But see, this is all in spite of what they heard, what they saw, and what they experienced. Because I have no reason to doubt that these are exactly the same soldiers that were at the tomb. And if that's the case, listen to what it says in Matthew 28, 4, just a few verses earlier. And for fear of him, the guards trembled and became like dead men. So, wow. Here is the pull and the, the sinful desires of the Pharisees being able to, you know, blind the eyes of men who were standing like dead men, who had seen and heard and experienced all of this firsthand. Nobody just told them this. So do you see to the extent which they suppress the truth? It's almost as if it didn't happen. And it's worth, you know, the potential of, well, maybe I'll get a chance to spend the money before I die. And maybe the Pharisees will get our back. There's a lot of, you know, trust and mistrust going on in this whole scenario. But what was the lie? Well, the lie was to tell people that you failed in your responsibilities, which really they didn't. They were up against the very almighty, powerful God of all. And so it didn't matter what they were going to do. Jesus wasn't going to stay in that tomb. But to tell them that they had failed in their responsibilities and that the disciples were cunning enough to steal Jesus' body. Trained Roman soldiers with a seal and a stone that would take more than one individual and even more than a couple individuals to move. But that stone got rolled away and the disciples, you know, there were all, you know, I guess maybe first century bodybuilders that could roll that stone out of the way and subdue two trained guards, even if they were potentially asleep, you know, which, you know, again, they knew the penalty it's just ironic the which a lie can you know, perpetuate itself. But what is the assurance? Well, here's the assurance. They would even keep the guards out of trouble. So does the, the Pharisees have that kind of pull? You know, well, obviously the Roman soldiers thought it was enough of a gamble or thought that, well, maybe they could actually do it and it's, willing to, it's worth it at this point, you know. If word of the cover-up came to light to the ears of the governor, don't worry, we'll, we'll get you out of trouble. That was the assurance that they had. But what about the, the foolishness in all of this? Well, the foolishness was that this was all a result of their, uh, and you can see there in verse uh, 12, they had taken counsel. They had figured out some way to manipulate the situation for their personal benefit, believing that this misdirection, uh, and this bag of lies 
had the, the power to cover up the truth. Well, did it cover up the truth? No. Because I'm living proof of it right here today. Because the gospel good news of Jesus Christ rising from the dead, which we're going to be celebrating here in a few weeks as we celebrate Easter Sunday, is the truth. And Jesus did rise from the dead. Hallelujah. That's right. So what is the simple irony in all of this? Well, here you have the spiritual leaders of the Jewish people so determined to hide the truth from themselves and the people that they are supposed to be leading. See, they're supposed to be leading them and pointing them to God when in reality what they were doing was misdirecting and fabricating this this lie that had so many facets to grab and to take hold of their lie of what existence was. It shows the sinfulness of man's heart that they did not truly know the Lord Jesus Christ. They pay Gentile unbelievers to sin just so they can still remain in authority. You know, think about this. They broke the Ten Commandments because they told the Roman soldiers to lie to cover up so they could keep their authority. Is that being someone who's being an example and leading people and pointing people to God? No, it's not. See, truth be told, the religious leaders felt threatened by Jesus because he was the truth. And the way, the truth, and the life. That meant that everything that they had you know, wrapped around and, and surrounded God's law with and worship of the one true God, as he revealed himself to the Old Testament patriarchs, and, and as he, re- he reveals himself through Jesus Christ, the Son of God, walking on the earth. See, Jesus' words pierced them because it was the truth, and they didn't want to hear it. Jesus' actions actually shamed them because Jesus showed them what true humility was, but he also showed them what a true sinful or sinless life is. Jesus' sincerity exposed their hypocrisy. And so what did they do? They did everything to try and hide it, to suppress that truth, to push it down and make it so that it it wasn't a reality. The thing is, you cannot change the truth. The only thing it changes is a lie. And if you're a liar, you've got to be really good at remembering what you've said. Because what will happen is, is the truth will always surface. The truth, truth will always, always, without exception, reveal the lie. Well, in our last couple of moments, I would like to speak to the fact that pride blinds us to the truth. So turn back to the book of Romans, chapter 10. Pride blinds us to the truth. See, the religious leaders of Jesus' day were blinded by their religious arrogance. They thought they could get away with it. It didn't matter the cost didn't matter if they broke God's law or not because they were living proof of those who did not know Jesus Christ, that did not have faith in God and broke God's law anyway because they were, they were slaves to sin. Paul, speaking about Israel's unbelief in Romans chapter 10, let me read verses 1 to 4 to you. It says, Brothers, my heart's desire and prayer to God for them is that they may be saved. What beautiful words. Paul was one of them, and he says, you know, it's, it's my heart's desire 
and prayer to God is that they might be saved. I bear them witness that they have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. Paul, you know, and remember, Paul's speaking from personal experience because he was one of them. He had a zeal for God, but it wasn't according to knowledge. It wasn't according to the truth. It was according to a whole bunch of lies. Verse 3, for being ignorant of the righteousness that comes from God and seeking to establish their own, they did not submit to God's righteousness. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. Notice a couple of things. Verse 1, they did not see their need of salvation because they were blinded by the lie. They were a slave to sin, and they lived according to what defined them. Which, as a believer in Jesus Christ, it says there in verse 4, is the end of the law for righteousness. You know, Jesus didn't do away with the law. He fulfilled it. He did what you and I could not do. Even on our best day, we still fall short of God's glory. Verse 2, they had a zeal for God, but it was based in the traditions of men. Their zeal was for their own God. It wasn't the one true God. It wasn't the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. It was a God of their own making. That's what they had zeal for. And even the Apostle Paul was one of those once. He had a zeal for God, but it was according to the traditions of of men, It was according to what the Pharisees and the scribes, the religious leaders of Jesus' day, all put together as this is what religion is. Well, religion is not what we're about. What we're about is knowing the one true God and having a personal relationship with him through his son, Jesus Christ, the one who is the way, the truth, and the life. Verse 3, they were proud and self-righteous which defines every human being without God. I've got this. I don't need anybody's help. You know, and if, if there's a God, I'll just figure out what I'll say to him when I see him. And chances are there's probably not a God because I don't want there to be a God. I want to be my own God. I want to live life how I want to. Or, you know what? I'm just good as I am. Yeah, look at, look at so-and-so. You know, I'm not like that murderer over there. Do you see the problem? It's all, it's all falsehood. It's all lies because they're not embracing the truth about who Jesus is. Verse 4, they did not see Jesus as the Messiah, even though everything pointed to him. Notice this. This shows the spiritual blindness of sin because everything pointed to him. The sacrifices in the Old Testament pointed to him. The priesthood pointed to him. The covenants pointed to him. The law pointed to him. How much evidence do you need to, to see? How much truth do you need to see? That's why we need a Savior. That's why salvation is God's work from beginning to end. Because only he can open our eyes to see spiritual things. To take that truth and come in and literally... Bring to life that which was dead. A picture of what happened when Christ was in that tomb and God the Father raised him from the dead. Let me close by rereading to you the lyrics of the song we sung at the beginning of our time. Because I think this is the testimony 
of what true saving faith and believing the truth about Jesus Christ does. It says, years I spent in vanity and pride, caring not my Lord was crucified, knowing not it was for me he died on Calvary. Mercy there was great and grace was free. Pardon there was multiplied to me. There my burdened soul found liberty at Calvary. By God's word at last my sin I learned. Then I trembled at the law I'd spurned. Till my guilty soul imploring turned to Calvary. Now I have given to Jesus everything. Now I gladly own him as my king. Now my raptured soul can only sing of Calvary. Oh, the love that drew salvation's plan. Oh, the grace that brought it down to man. Oh, the mighty gulf that God did span at Calvary. See, that's what the truth does. It opens our eyes to only things that those uh, that are spiritual can see. To go beyond the, the, the bond to slavery, to free us, to break the chains. You know, we've got many songs that speak to that. Of breaking the chains of the amazing grace, of the mercy of God. Realizing that all of us have spent years in vanity and pride. So don't stay there. If you're here this morning... And you are like the Pharisees that you don't like the truth. But yet the Spirit is prodding your heart to believe in the truth. To know that Jesus Christ is the only one who can save. And that apart from him, you are on that wide road to destruction. Separation from him for eternity. Getting the just deserts of your disobedience before a holy God. And if it's you today, call out on the Lord today. Believe in him. Repent of your sins and trust the Lord Jesus Christ. And he will set you free. Let's bow for a closing word of prayer. Gracious Father, Lord, I thank you for your word, because your word is what makes us wise to salvation. It helps us to see our need of a savior. It shows us the sinfulness of man. It shows us what is uh, characteristic of all of mankind is that we suppress the truth in unrighteousness. That is true in relation to salvation, uh, but it's also true even in the Christian life. Because there are days when, even as believers in Jesus Christ, those who have been redeemed, who have been set free, suppress the truth. Maybe because it's something that we like and we, you know, we, we are drawn to. But in reality, what it does is it pulls us away from you. And so, Lord, I pray for the believers here today that they would... Uh, Lay all those things at the foot of the cross, that they would not suppress the truth, that God's word would be a lamp unto their feet and a light unto their path, that it would direct them and guide them and transform them. And I pray for those that don't know your son today, that they would humble themselves, that they would fall 
down on their knees and repent. Which is more than just saying sorry. It's agreeing with God that Jesus Christ is the only way. That their sin separates them from you. The one true God. The one who is holy, holy, holy. And may they trust your son today. Lord, we thank you for your truth. We thank you that it continues to transform us and that your truth has set us free to worship you as we should. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.